You are listening to audio from Hope Church Ipswich. For more information about our church, please visit www.hopechurchipswich.net. Good morning. It's good to see you all this morning. If we haven't met before, my name's Tom, and uh, this morning I'm going to be finishing up our Advent series. It's been a mini-series, uh, just two weeks, and last week we heard from Nick, who shared about the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth, and how God miraculously gave them a, a baby. And that baby grew up to be John, John the Baptist, who was the guy who led the way, really, for Jesus to come. He prepared the people of Israel for Jesus' arrival. And uh, today, we're going to be looking at another miraculous birth. So last week, we saw the angel went to Zechariah and said that they'd be having a, a kid. They were very old. Zechariah didn't really believe that it could happen. And, uh, and God showed that he's a God of breakthrough. We learned from Nick last week that God, even when it seems like God isn't doing anything, he's silently planning and he's bringing breakthrough. And uh, he did that in the world. He did that globally as well. Because for hundreds of years, the people of Israel were really, when it came to God speaking to them, it was silent. They hadn't heard from God for many, many years. They hadn't heard a prophet come to Israel for uh, some hundreds of years. And then God suddenly broke in and sent John the Baptist and then not long afterwards sent Jesus. So today we're looking at another angelic visit. So we're going to be in Luke chapter 1. So if you have a Bible with you, start uh, turning there now to Luke chapter 1. We'll read in a few moments' time. If you don't have a Bible, then that's absolutely fine. The, the, the verses that we're going to read through together are going to come up on the screens around the room. Um, and we're going to work through it together. And we're going to learn some lessons from the life of Mary. Now, after Father Christmas and Rudolph and snowmen, and as we heard last week from Nick, greyhounds giving uh, presents to squirrels uh, and other ridiculous things that we have on Christmas cards, Mary is probably one of the ones, uh, one of the personalities that features uh, quite often. And over the over the centuries. People have got Mary wrong in one of two ways. The first way that people have got Mary all wrong is that some have come to uh, pray to her or worship her like she's a a, a god herself, that she has some sort of uh, deity within her. And uh, over the medieval times in particular, where ordinary people like you and I, we didn't have, they didn't have access to the Bible. They couldn't see uh, what it taught on these matters. Um, people came to see Jesus as quite distant. He was maybe someone they didn't want to approach, even though the Bible talks about Jesus being the mediator, the go-between, the one that actually makes it possible for us to know God. People started to see Jesus as kind of distant and up there somewhere and unapproachable. And so they started praying to Mary who they, could thought, who they thought could put in a good word for them with Jesus. And that kind of became quite a big deal. But then Mary became uh, quite revered and worshipped, and people didn't think she was very approachable. Genuinely then, people started praying to Anne, who was her mum. We don't find Anne in the Bible anywhere, but people had worked out that her name was Anne. Um, and they started praying to Anne, who would be the one who could put in a good word uh, with Mary who could then put in a good word with Jesus, who could then put in a good word with God the Father. And that's how people could then uh, get right with God. And people would pray to Anne, pray to Mary, and all kinds of uh, wrong thinking was, was happening, really. Now, that's one extreme, I suppose, of wrong thinking when it comes to Mary. Nowhere in the Bible do we see that she's to be worshipped or prayed to. The Bible is very clear that there's only one name given by which men and women can be saved, and that's the name of Jesus. And so that's one wrong way of thinking. The other way of thinking is really that Mary has no significance. 
probably in reaction to that kind of teaching that was, became popular, um, people thought, well, God needed, to, he, he needed a womb of some sort to, for his, his son to come to be born on earth, and Mary was just the one he chose. And I think actually that can be uh, wrong teaching as well, because there is lots, I believe, that we can learn from Mary. And just in this one story today that we're going to read through together, there's a whole bunch of stuff we can learn. Mary was a remarkable woman. In fact, she's probably one of the biggest heroes of the faith. She's, you know, oftentimes we think about uh, people in the Old Testament, Daniel and uh, Joshua and Moses, and in the New Testament, people like Peter and uh, James and John. Mary really, as we're going to see together today, was an incredible woman of faith. We've much to learn from her. So we're going to read through this uh, story of this angel visiting Mary, and then we're going to learn some things as we go. So, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favoured one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. So the first thing we just want to note here is that Mary was from a place called Nazareth. Nazareth was, was really a backwater place, okay? About 150 people lived there. It was tiny in comparison to surrounding towns and cities. No one went through Nazareth to get anywhere. It wasn't on a trade route. Uh, really not a lot happened of note in Nazareth. And uh, it was kind of a place that was... Uh, subjected to mockery and derision. Uh, Jesus, when he grew up and was preaching, people would say, hang on a minute, isn't this guy from Nazareth? Can anything good ever come from Nazareth? That's what people would say of that area. That's what people, how they regarded uh, Nazareth. I don't know what the equivalent would be for us today. I won't uh, ask you to shout it out just in case you offend someone greatly. But so Nazareth was really not an important place. It wasn't a significant place. People didn't really think that anything good was going to come about it. And Mary really wasn't from the right tribe. She, there was nothing special about her. There was nothing that was remarkable about her. Great things were not expected of her life. She wouldn't have had high aspirations for what she could achieve in life. She was a young virgin, and she was engaged to a guy, but even his, uh, his aspirations weren't very high either. He was a carpenter, wouldn't have been very wealthy, he wasn't of noble um, kind of a noble family, even though he was a descendant of David, there was nothing about him that was particularly uh, powerful or influential. And she was a woman as well, so in those times not particularly empowered at all. And she was probably about 15 at this time, she wasn't very old at all. She would have considered herself probably the last person to expect to be visited by the angel Gabriel. This was not really something... That was, uh, this was a big, big shock to her. So we really learn from Mary. The first thing we learn is that God can use absolutely anyone. This was the person who God had chosen to undertake the most important act that a human being has ever undertaken. I think I should say probably a non-divine human being. This is the most important act that anyone's ever undertaken, giving birth to the Son of God and then raising the Son of God as well bringing him up. This was an important task that God had chosen her for. God delights in using nobodies. He delights in using those that really, in and of themselves, are not impressive. He delights in using those that maybe even in the world's eyes appear weak and foolish. This is how God operates. We read in 1 Corinthians, which is later in the New Testament, Paul writes this, "'Brothers, consider the time of your calling. Not many of you are wise by human standards.'" 
Not many were powerful, not many were of noble birth, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of this world to shame the strong. So you might this morning think, I'm too weak and too uh, unintelligent, unimpressive. I haven't got the uh, natural gifting and ability to ever be used by God. You might be thinking that this morning. Well, Mary shows you categorically that that is not true. Mary shows you this morning that God can use anyone. You really would be hard-pressed hard to find anyone as unlikely as Mary to be used in such a great way as God used her. And yet God chose to use her. God chose to act in this way. If we're available to God, as we're going to see later on, Mary was available to God. If we're available to him in the same way that Mary was, then he can use us and he will use us for his glory to do great things. The, the best place to start really is to feel inadequate, to feel like actually in and of yourself you don't have what it takes. In and of yourself you don't have amazing abilities, but actually it's God who working through you that will enable you to do great things for him. So starting place is to know your inadequacy. Let's read on, shall we, in the story. So that's the first thing we've learned about Mary. Let's continue. So great, Mary was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? Mary was greatly troubled at this angel coming to visit her. I expect that this angel was really scary. I don't think it's a chubby baby with wings that we see on the Christmas cards. This wasn't a kind of angel that you just want to go and pinch their cheeks. This was a fearsome being. I think Mary would have been cowering in the corner of her room when this angel came to her. I think she would have been shielding her face. When you read about angels in the Bible, they were, they were fiery kind of beings that were awesome to look at. In fact, the prophet Isaiah has a vision of God, and he sees these angels before he has this vision of God. And these angels, just with the sounds they're making, they're shaking the temple, this enormous building. And it's, it's, it's awesome. I think Mary would have been fearsome at the sight of this angel to start with. And then this angel starts to say these sublime words about Jesus being the son of the Most High, whose kingdom will never end. And Mary's response shows that she wasn't really worried about all of that because she says this, I'm a virgin. I'm a virgin. I, this isn't going to happen. I'm a virgin. That was the first reaction. I, I am, this is not possible. And I think at this moment, Mary started to count the cost a little bit in her mind of what this would mean for her. Because under the law, in those times, if a betrothed woman fell pregnant, it meant that people would consider her as an adulterer, and the penalty would be death by stoning. That's pretty severe. It's very severe. And so I think at this point, she probably would have started to count the cost a little bit of what it would mean to be obedient to God. Even if she avoided that penalty, somehow, it would mean that she'd be shunned by her community, this is an honor culture that uh, Mary was living in. That means that uh, the communities were very tight-knit, and it meant that you had to kind of adhere to the community's culture and uh, 
practices, and if you stepped out of line from those things, then you could be shunned from them. You could be left behind. People were really dependent on communities, more so back then than we perhaps are today. And so you'd actually miss out on a whole bunch of uh, amenities and all kinds of facilities if you were shunned by your community. So Mary would probably start to think, hang on a minute, am I going to be rejected by people here? Are people going to look at me, see that I'm not married, see that I'm pregnant, put two and two together, and then reject me? What are my parents going to think? What, are they going to support me? Are they going to stand by me? Are they going to help me financially with this baby that I, I've not planned for? Will Joseph stick by me? We see, don't we, in the, in the text that, I think it's probably in Matthew's account, that Joseph planned to divorce Mary in secret so that she wouldn't be stoned to death. He, he planned to do that so that it wouldn't be an issue for her. So she's starting to think all these things through, I'm sure, just as this angel comes to tell her this news. She would have felt troubled. I'm a virgin. Now I've got to somehow convince my fiancé that I haven't been unfaithful, not just him, but my whole community. This doesn't really um, land properly with us because in our society it's now more common in fact this year was the year when it became more common for uh, children to be born out of wedlock than in wedlock so um, you're more likely now to have parents who are not married than who are married and so it doesn't really land with us in our society um, very well or very clearly but in this day and age it was a big deal it was a huge deal and so there was a big cost for Mary when it came to obeying God imagine what her parents would say imagine what the community would say even though, uh, as she accepted this mission, as we're going to see, I-, I expect that that night she didn't get a wink of sleep. I bet that that night, as that angel had gone, and she laid her head down on her pillow, I bet you she didn't sleep for one moment, because all of this would have been racing around her mind. What, are the, what is the cost of this going to be? I can see I want to obey God, but this is going to be massive for me. It's going to be life-changing. You know, You can know a clear calling from God and still know that fear and that doubt and that kind of... How is this going to play out? That can whir around your mind. Mary would have certainly feared what would happen to her. So she counted the cost. She had to consider the cost of obeying God. It was a cost, as we'll see, it was a cost that she was willing to pay. She was willing to undergo it to honor God. This is the thing about Christianity. It's gloriously free. Everything that we've sung about this morning, everything we've rejoiced in this morning, that you can know your sins forgiven, you can know... God is your Father, always with you. With you wherever you go, you can know this eternity with him, secure, set in stone, never going to lose it. It's all free. You can't earn your way to salvation. Has anyone tried here? If you tried maybe for a day not sinning, you failed by breakfast time. You can't earn it. There's no way you can earn this salvation. It's free. It's free. It's the grace of God. It's by believing in Jesus, you can know your sins forgiven. Believing that what he's done on the cross, on the cross he took our sin and our shame. He took the place that we deserved, really. It's free, but there is a cost to following him. There's a cost. It's the cost that we need to consider. Maybe some of you here this morning are thinking, I, I, you know, I do believe there's a God, and I do think that there's something in this Jesus thing, and I, I, I think I believe, but there's a cost. What, what's, what are my parents going to think? What are my parents going to think when they think uh, when they hear that I'm a Christian, or that I'm getting baptized? What are my, what are my friends going to think? What's my spouse going to think? Is he or she going to think I'm weird? 
that I'm praying to this God I can't see. That I believe that 2,000 years ago on a cross, that actually something happened that has changed my life forever. There's a cost to it. There's a great cost, and we need to consider it. Even some of you here, you know you're a Christian already, and you know that God is calling you to things, or even just where you are in your context of life, he's calling you to uh, glorify him and to step out in faith and to honor him in certain ways, and you're thinking, there's going to be a cost to this. It's going to mean a cost of energy and time and reputation. Mary considered the cost, and in a wonderful way, she obeyed God. She decided that she was going to go ahead with it. So even in the short term, there's going to be great cost as she uh, worked out how she was going to explain to people the fact that she was pregnant and not married yet. She's going to work out how to avoid uh, the, the death penalty. But then in the longer term, what was going to be the emotional strain of being the mother of the Son of God? What was that going to mean? The angels already told her that this, this, this boy should be called Jesus. And Jesus means the one who saves. And so she's doing the maths here. He's been called the son of the most high God. He's been called the one who saves. She, as we'll see in a moment, she knew her Bible well. She knew the scriptures well. She would have understood that this meant that Jesus was to be the Messiah, the one who would take away the sins of his people. She would have known Isaiah 53, which says this, talking of the Messiah that was to come some hundreds of years later. He was despised and rejected by men a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and as one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities, and upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. With his wounds we are healed, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one of us to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So Mary, I'm sure, as she laid there at night, having been visited by the angel Gabriel, would have been thinking, is my son going to have to go through this? My son, at some point in his life, is going to have to go through this. He's going to have to be the one who was stricken By God, who was pierced for our transgressions, who took the blame for the sins of the world. She would have been thinking about this. What's it going to be like to have to go through that? What's it going to be like for him? What's it going to be like for me, seeing my own son going through this? And on a lighter note, she would have been thinking, what's it going to be like if I have other kids? And we see later on in the scriptures, we know that Jesus had brothers. And she'd have been thinking, well, what if they don't want to play games with him because he always wins? What if people think he doesn't look much like Joseph? What are people going to say? All these thoughts would have been going through her mind. She considered the costs, and yet she surrendered all to God. She said, I am yours. We're going to see in a minute, she said, let it be. Friends, this morning, if you're considering the cost, and you're thinking, this is too much, I I don't think I could bear that. Let me tell you, it's worth everything. It's worth losing your life so you'll truly find it. It was worth it. It really is. There's a cross to bear, Jesus says. There's a sacrifice to make. If he's to be the king, all of the other contenders to the throne of our hearts have to go. A bit like when King Herod heard that there was another king in town, he decided, I have to get rid of that king. 
It's a bit like that for us. When, if we want Jesus to be king in our lives, every other contender for the throne in our hearts has to go. Anything else that would steal our affections, anything else that would be number one in our lives, we have to say, no, that's got to go. There's a cost to this. That's got to know its rightful place because Jesus is number one in my life. It might be that you have to forsake some things that won't be honoring to God. Things that might even be a big part of your life. And you just know, to follow Jesus, that's got to go. Let me tell you, it's worth it. It's worth it. A friend of mine was once asked by someone, if I become a Christian, does that mean I have to stop wearing jeans? And we think, what a ridiculous question, because surely, you know, clearly it's fine to wear jeans. The Bible doesn't say anything about it. And my friend said this, I don't know, maybe. His point was this. If, if fashion, looking good, buying loads of jeans, if that's the king of your life, if that's the, the thing that you're running hard after, yeah, well, maybe you have to get rid of it. It's striking, isn't it? Jeans are fine. Jesus is king. So, there might be some big idols in your life, acceptance of others, worldly riches, these, these must be replaced with worship of him. It's the very best thing for you. There's Christians here holding back things from God. There's Christians here who are saying, God, no, you can have everything, but you can't have that. I'm not letting you have that. No, the step you have to take is to say, God, no matter what the cost, I'm going to follow you. So let's read on, shall we, from verse 35, just for a few more verses, and then we're going to see what else we can learn from Mary. The angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her, who is called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. What an incredible response. What an incredible response. All of that we've just considered, all the cost, all that it would mean for her, she said, let it be according to your word. What an example. She was the first person ever to accept Jesus on his own terms. Not on her own terms, regardless of the cost. What an example to us. If you fast forward 30 years and Jesus was a young man at a wedding and the wine had run out and they're thinking, man, there's still quite a lot of this wedding to go. We've got no more wine. How embarrassing. It's really going to cause shame for us in the community. And Mary knows there's one person at the wedding who can do anything about it and she knows it's her son. And she says to the people providing the wine, she says, do whatever he tells you to do. She points to Jesus. She says, do whatever he tells you to do. She knew that he needed to be the one who was obeyed. She obeyed God. She knew, uh, just do whatever he tells you to do. That was the principle that Mary lived by. That's the Christian life. It's doing whatever God tells you to do. It's being available to him. It's, being, it's saying, God, whatever you want me to do, I will be available to you. Like Mary, we need to make ourselves available to him to say, God, this life is a blank check. Right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend it as you want me to spend it. Tell me what you want me to do. I'm going to do it. I'm available. I'm yours. People who aren't available to him, who have their own agenda, God can't use them. I wonder if some of us were to be visited by an angel tonight and we were told what God wanted us to do, we might say, do you have any idea how busy I am? Do you have any idea how important my job is? 
Do you have any idea how many people are depending on me? We want to be people who are available to God like Mary was. Let it be, she said. Let it be as you've said it. Despite the cost, I'm available. I'm your servant. I'm a living sacrifice. That is our daily act of worship, isn't it? To say to God, I'm a living sacrifice. I'm going to, uh, here's me. I, I just want to do your will. I'm laying my life down and I want to do your will. So in a little while, there's going to be a prayer team over to my right. Um, we're going to sing soon in response. And there'll be some people here, you know that, that actually you're not available to God right now. That actually you, you're holding things back from him and you're, there's other things in your life. There's another agenda that you're running, to, running by. And to this morning, it might be that you just want someone to stand with you. And in the way of being accountable, you just want to pray and just say, I want to live by God's agenda. I don't want to live by my agenda. I want to lay it all down again today. I want to just say, God, I want to live for you. There might be some here who you need to denounce a lie this morning that you are unusable by God. This morning you might be thinking, a bit like Mary, my life's not really going to amount to much. I'm not really going to ever do much for God. I'm not really ever going to accomplish much for his glory. This morning you need to denounce that lie. Denounce just means, simply means saying no, that's not true. You might want to do that with someone this morning. Just say, no, that is not true. God can use even me. Also, there might be some who just are facing a very confusing situation. I shared in the 9 o'clock service that just yesterday I um, spoke with my parents who are going through a lot of ill health at the moment, both of them, and just not quite sure what God's doing in it all. You know, I know it's a natural part of growing older and so on, but just can disorientate you sometimes. And you might think, God, I don't know what you're doing here. Like Mary, we can trust God because we trust his character. We look around and we think, I don't know, these circumstances I don't get. But the Bible says that we can have a peace that transcends all understanding. So we can look around and we can think, I don't understand this. I don't understand what on earth you're doing here, God. But he's able to give us a peace that even that transcends that. And so this morning there'll be some of you here that you're going through the mill a little bit. You're going through some tough situations and God just wants to bring that peace to you. That transcends all understanding. So this story continues. We see Mary, she visits her cousin Elizabeth. They rejoice together. They're both miraculously pregnant. What an incredible baby shower that would be, hey? They wouldn't have to do much of the guess the gender game. They already know what it is. They're rejoicing together. And then Mary starts singing spontaneously sings the following, my soul magnifies the Lord. What an incredible sentence. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. Holy is his name, and his mercy is for those who fear him. From generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. And she goes on in her song, this incredible song of praise to God. How is it that although this saviour had not yet been born, she's able to speak as if those things have already happened? I believe it's this, that she 
trusted so in God. She trusted that he had started off this plan of salvation. It was as good as done. It was going to happen. It had been promised hundreds of years before in many, many prophecies throughout the Old Testament. It had been promised. This Savior was going to come. It was as good as done in her mind. And we see these amazing verses that she sings. His mercy is for those who fear him. That means that he's merciful to those who say, God, without your mercy, you are to be feared. Without your mercy, God, I'm, I can't come near you. It's a fearful thing. We need his mercy. We need him to not treat us as our sins deserve. We need him to show us favor that we don't deserve. Those who appreciate that they need saving, that's who he's merciful to. Those who say, God, I'm... I'm a sinful man, I'm a sinful woman, I'm low estate, as Mary sang. I need a saviour. That's who God is merciful to. He's filled the hungry with good things. He fills the stomachs of those who know how, how malnourished they are with everything that the world offers them. You know, we get offered so much, don't we? So much stuff that we can consume, and we think that that is the stuff that will satisfy. Ultimately, it's like a McDonald's, right? I go into a McDonald's and I think, this is going to be the best meal I've ever tasted, and it's going to fill me up, and I'm not going to be hungry all weekend now. And about half an hour afterwards, I'm thinking, I kind of wish I hadn't had that, and I'm also still hungry. Now, I'm not knocking McDonald's, all right? I, I, I do like a good McDonald's from time to time, but the kind of meal that God offers is one that will satisfy us wholly, completely, eternally. That is the kind of meal he's offering us. And it's those who realize how hungry they are, those who realize how malnourished they are by everything they've consumed from the world, everything that the world throws at us that says, do this and it will satisfy you. Do this, have this thing. It will bring you the satisfaction you crave. When we realize that that is so empty, it's an empty promise, and we look to Jesus in faith, we will be satisfied with the food that he gives. He's offering us a feast that Christmas Day won't even begin to compare to. He is who we feast on. He's the one that we enjoy. He's the one who, if we know him, we know life in all its fullness. So we need to acknowledge our hunger this morning. So shall we stand together? We're going to sing together in a moment. And before that, we're just going to pray, ask God just to come and move amongst us. And then we'll wrap up in, in just over 10 minutes' time. Father, we just thank you. We thank you so much that you're here this morning. Thank you that you had a plan all along. You sent your son into the world. You sent your son who would be the obedient one who could obey you perfectly. Lord, you sent your son who would be the one who would never, ever regret anything. Who would never, ever make a mistake that he looked back on and thought, I wish I hadn't done that. He really is perfect. And Lord God, we know just in so many ways that even today we failed you. And we look to a saviour who's able to take our place. The saviour who took our place on the cross, where we deserve punishment, and now who takes our place before you and says, forgive them, Father. They don't know what they're doing. I thank you, Lord God, that we are forgiven. If we know you, we're completely forgiven. We can know you as our Father forever. We want to just thank you for this example of Mary. And Lord, we want to be like that. We want to be those who say, let it be according to your word. Who say, 
God, I want to obey you no matter the cost. And Lord God, I want to pray for my brothers and sisters here who may be considering the cost. You might be considering what it might mean to follow you more wholly, to lay uh, areas of their lives open to you that maybe they've kept back from you. I pray, Lord God, this morning that you would just reaffirm that you're a good God who has good things in store for them. But we just denounce the lies that we will never be used by you. We denounce the lies that we're useless. We denounce it. We announce the truth that those who uh, lay down their lives as living sacrifices, who are available to you, are truly uh, able to bring you much glory in this life. Thank you for listening to audio from Hope Church Ipswich. Please feel free to make a copy of this content, but please do not edit the content in any way.